This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 384, Part 2. So the number one biggest way people lose money is just by not doing anything, by just taking like no action ever and living the life that they've always lived just because that's easy and they can just get up and live reactively. So my advice for people is to be like, don't look at this stuff as fear-based, but look at this as how can I use this to arise to a new level. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What is going on, everyone? This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast here with your host, Brandon Turner, with my co-host, Mr. David Green. What's up, David Green? How you doing, man? I'm amazing. We're talking real estate. What can be better than this? I got... Uh, it's springtime. This is pretty much the time when the real estate market heats up the most and people keep talking about this recession that we're supposed to have. And man, my phone is blowing up every day. It is awesome with people that want to sell their house and want to buy a house. So yeah, you know, from where I'm Dude, standing, I, I don't, I'm not preparing for a recession. I'm seeing that, uh, there's a lot of demand for real estate still. What were you going to say? Well, they just said that report just came out uh, yesterday. Uh, Josh Dorkin sent it to me. According to some company, I can't remember their data. They basically pulled data of sales comps. Like we are like yesterday or last week, I think it was, was the biggest, the highest point of the market in hi- history. Like even during, like this, now we're months into this COVID thing. We're still at the highest real estate price market in history. It's higher than it was two months ago, three months ago. So it's still, it's still cranking. So that's what I'm saying. If somebody wants to buy a house and you live in a hot market, my advice to you is to go talk to an agent about how to get, if your job is safe, first off, let me say that if you might lose your job, that's not a good time to buy a house. But if you're personally in a good place, you should look at trying to get something going now, if you're on the fence, because if you wait another month, when everything opens up, I think the hordes are going to descend upon the market like locusts on a field. It's going to be very, very hard. And if you want to sell your house, you should start preparing it right now. So when those locusts ascend or descend, whatever I'm saying, you're ready to go because I'm anticipating a very big, big wave. Interesting. Well, we shall see. Yeah. And we get to talk about some real estate today to save people money. This is going to be part two of a show we did with Spencer Cornelia, where he talked about what he did wrong that lost money because we often talk about people that do well with real estate. There's what, what do we call that? Like survivor bias or something yeah. like that. You, you only yeah. hear the stories of people that did good. So we wanted to bring some people in that didn't do good so that we can learn from their mistakes and learn about this art that we're studying even more deep. That's it. So yeah, yesterday, if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, make sure you go back and listen to that. You can do it after this episode. You can do it right now. Uh, episode 384, part one with uh, Spencer. And again, he just goes through two deals that just he lost a ton of money on. And we dive into deep into like why he did that, what happened on those. Uh, and so make sure you listen to that one. It was really good. But then we thought we actually wanted to go through more ways because that's like he his was one specific example or two specific examples. But David and I came up with a list of another bunch. I think we have 10 total maybe to go over that ways people lose money so that you can avoid losing money. Cause we want you to make money be successful and have financial freedom and independence and quit your job and sail around the world in your yacht with your four children. That's what we want for you. Making but rap videos like making Will rap Ferrell videos. And uh, what's the other guy's name is stepbrothers. Uh, John C. Riley. That John, guy. Yeah. Yeah. That yes. Guy. That's, that's what we the want life for you. right there. That's the life. And we want that for you. And so uh, that's what we're going to help you guys do today. But before we get to that, let's get to today's quick, quick tip. Quick tip. Very short. Are you guys checking out the Bigger Pockets forums? They're really good. You should check them out. There's really good stories like yesterday's show uh, on Spencer. We learned about that from the forum. So go check it out. And that's today's quick tip. Quick tip. 
that was a quick tip to make up for yesterday's really long quick tip. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. And without further ado, let's get into the top 10 or the 10, I don't know if they're like ranked in order of biggest or smallest or anything like that, but just 10 mistakes or errors or ways people lose money in real estate in all different forms. So number one, David, you want to lead us off? Number one, lack of focus. When you take on too many projects at once or too many different types of projects, you spread yourself very thin. You're more likely to make mistakes. And most importantly, you start taking too much time. And for newer investors or maybe less experienced investors, I'll say, they tend to under recognize how expensive time is when it comes to real estate. Whether it's yeah. holding a loan, all the holding costs, the, the cost of capital that you can't put into something different. It is very easy for projects to get out of hand when you're working on them. And time equals money in this business. Yeah, it's true. And people want to 
do so many things because they're ambitious and they're excited. Just like Spencer was yesterday. We talked about people are excited. They want to get into this thing. Uh, but it's really important to to stay focused. Don't build too many bridges over to, you know, Fantasy mm. Island. Build one yeah, bridge yeah, Share that example. Tell, talk about your bridge analogy. It's a good one. I feel like I show that all the time. Thanks. It's like my one analogy. You live on an island called Reality Island. I didn't make this up either. I totally stole this from a YouTube video I saw years and thank years you ago. For, Ed, thank you for giving yes, credit to Yes. See? Look at that. Uh, in fact, it was even James Wedmore that I learned this from. I even give credit to the person because I remember it was James Wedmore teaching about business. Uh, he's got a thing called Business by Design. Anyway, you live on Real Reality Island. Then there's like Success Island and you got to build a bridge to get there. In this imaginary world, there are no such thing as ships. And so you have to build a bridge over there. And so people build a little bridge and then they build another bridge, another bridge. And each one gets a few feet out in the water before they start building another bridge. So they're trying to build 10 different bridges at once. And so as a result, no bridge ever makes it to the other island. And so build one bridge, stay focused. Don't let the lack of focus. Don't try to take on like, I started this project. Now I better go do this project. Now I'm going to do this flip and this rental and this wholesale and this burr. And I want to do it all because, you know, I'm going to die next year. Like that's what most people, they act like they're going to die when they get into real estate. But like, this is a long game. Uh, I'm not saying go slow, but I'm saying go careful, focus on what you're doing become an expert at that thing before you add on new things. Love Agreed? it. Agreed? Okay. Oh, totally. Okay. Number two, trusting that the contractor or really any professional that you bring into this job will do a good job just because that's their job. That's a big mistake mm, that people yeah. make. You have to actually manage the person. And one of the things I've heard people say is inspect what you expect. If you have an expectation for something, you better be inspecting to make sure it was done. That is true. Yeah. I can't tell you the number of people I've hired. I once hired its contractor because he had a hat that had his logo on it and he had a truck with his logo on it. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a contractor in Grays Harbor, Washington with a logo on their truck and on their hat. Like it just doesn't exist because most people are kind of shady. And like, I was like, this guy's legit. So I paid him five grand up front for work to be done on a project. He just took the five grand and left, <laughs> just never showed up again. And uh, yeah, just like I trusted him because he was a contractor and because he had a hat and a truck, he must be legit. He wasn't legit. So yeah, X inspect what you expect. I like you said that. Number three. Very good. So don't assume that because they're a real estate agent and they're licensed that they're good. Don't assume yeah. because they're a contractor that they're good. And here's another thing. Don't assume that because they were good for someone else, they'll be good for you, right? Mm -hmm. If you're the one trying to pay your agent 4% and somebody else is paying 6% and they only have so much time, they're going to give it to the 6% person. So don't shoot yourself in the, in the foot. What I tell people is winning battles to lose wars. Uh, yeah. Make sure you're inspecting what you're getting. Hey, and, and here's a quick tangible thing on that. When you say, we say inspect what you expect, what it means is you also have to like continually manage that person. We have like this, like this thing that people do and they, they, they go, I'll give you the example of property managers first. They get, they do all the work needed to buy a property. It's a hassle. They have to do the rehab. They get the loan. They get all that done. And by the time they're done with it, they're like, I'm so tired of this property. I just want to, and what they do is they hand it over to property management and then they run away and they like close their eyes. They're like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to see it. I'm done. I hired a professional, but at the end of the day, like the professional is only going to manage as well as you manage them. And so like, are you checking up on their numbers? Are you following up with them? Are you making sure their communication is good? Are you firing them if they need to be fired? Uh, you have to really look into that. And the same is true for your contractors. Are you looking at the work they're doing? Are you actually verifying that it was done correctly and it looks good before you pay them? Uh, one thing that I do is I have a thing called a contractor bid form and I actually have this form. You can actually download it for free. It's in the bigger pockets file place. You just type in like contractor bid form. You'll find mine. And like, I literally like take whatever they said they're going to do. I put it on my sheet 
And I say, this was a scope of work you just said you were going to do. This is the price you said you were going to do it for, right? They initial it or they sign it. And then I say, this is when you get paid this amount. This is when you get paid this amount. This is when you get paid this amount. And I list all the benchmarks that they get paid at. They sign that. So now we are all on the same page and I am now not paying them until after they've done the work. So now I'm inspecting what I expect at the end of the day. And so that's just a couple of tangible examples of what I what we mean by that. Great advice, B-Money. I really, really like that. Thanks, D-Money. <laughs> All right. That was a lame nickname, by the way. I repeated <laughs> what I said. Okay, number three. Don't be... What's the word I'm looking for when a magician like fools you into something? Is there a fancy word for that? <laughs> hoodwinked? Yeah, don't like be hoodwinked. Hoodwinked, hoodwinked by spreadsheet magic. A lot of deals look really good when you put them into a spreadsheet into a calculator like, ooh, look at that. I'm gonna get a 29% return. So I'm gonna go invest in whatever this this area is or I'm gonna buy this class of property and then it doesn't work out like that. As we learned from Spencer, it's very easy to plug things into a spreadsheet and say, well, that's the way it's supposed to go without looking at what your responsibility is to make sure it goes that way. For instance, my rehab supposed to be 50,000 and not think about which contractor I hire or inspecting them to make sure that it does. This yeah. often comes up with things when you ignore the location of a property, maybe the median income of that area. If the median income is significantly lower than everywhere else around it, you're probably dealing with the people that have more life issues going on and they're less likely to value things like paying their rent on time. They're also less likely to care about things like evictions, foreclosure, stuff that hurts their credit. If you go to that area, you're going to be drawing, like Brandon said, weird houses draw weird people. Doesn't mean you can't invest there. It means you have to understand the risks of doing it. You need to underwrite more vacancy, more repairs, uh, much bigger contingencies into your plan than just saying, well, if I bought in Beverly Hills, it'd look like this. So let me just take that same formula and apply it to a different market and assume it's going to work the same. Spreadsheet magic can get you burned. Ooh, spreadsheet magic can get you burned. All right. Yeah. And just another way of explaining that I'll just throw out there is like, there, we said this earlier, there's a math, like a logical way of looking at real estate deals. And then there's an emotional way of looking at deals. And so we just have to make sure you're looking at it from both those angles. Just because the numbers look like they make sense on paper, doesn't necessarily mean it's a good deal. You just got to look deeper than that. Don't just rely on just, this is what the numbers say. So kind of relating to what we talked about yesterday. All right, number four. And before we talk about number four, I'm actually going to play a quick clip here from a Bigger Pockets member and a previous guest on the Bigger Pockets podcast, uh, Show 287, who talks about where he lost money on one of his recent flips and what he learned. Hey, everybody. This is Shiloh Lundahl from Gilbert, Arizona. And I was asked to share about one of the deals that we did that did not go so well. So a couple of years ago, when we had first gotten into flipping properties, we bought a little property in Mesa, Arizona for about $105,000. It was the cheapest property in the area, and we decided that we wanted to flip it and make a profit. So we've been watching a lot of the HGTV shows, and we decided we wanted to fix it up really nice, make the kitchen cute and the bathrooms cute. And we ended up putting in about $35,000 into this deal. And then when we put it on the market, it, it took a while to sell because we priced it high. And then eventually we got a, an offer for $155,000. And uh, then we found out that there were some unpermitted additions that needed to be fixed or either brought up to code. We had to put a parking, what do you call it, a carport in the back because it had to have parking that was covered on the property according to the city code and everything. So um, basically, when all was said and done, we lost about $5,000 on this deal. 
And um, some of the lessons learned was, one, you don't want to over-improve the properties for the neighborhood. When I look back, we probably could have put about $10,000 into this deal, fixed up a couple of things, made it nice and clean, and then we probably could have sold it for either $135, $140, and we could have made maybe $10,000 or $15,000 on the deal. But we wanted to make it really nice, and so there was a cost to that, and we ended up losing money because we put too much into the property. Another thing is we didn't have another exit strategy. Our only exit strategy was to flip it. We didn't run the numbers on what it would be if we were to um, rent it out or lease option it. And, you know, uh, looking back, if we had lease optioned it, we probably would have earned maybe twenty to $30,000 over a three to five year period of time on this property. And then the last thing is, uh, speaking of the numbers, we just didn't run the numbers really well. I didn't look at what it was going to sell for in the end and then back out from there. And so I was just kind of excited and threw myself into this deal. And I ended up losing money because I didn't run the numbers really well. So those are the three lessons that I learned from that deal. So I hope that you guys are doing well. And that's everything. All right. Thanks, man. Shiloh, like I said, uh, you guys listen to Shiloh's whole story at biggerpockets.com slash show 287. But we just wanted to bring that up because it really emphasizes this point about not over rehabbing projects. I mean, I have definitely done that. There's this thing. It's like the HGTV bug. It's like you watch these flipping shows and they just do amazing flips because for TV, you got to do that. Nobody wants to see a flip that's like there's the same basic carpet, the same wall color you did on every other flip, the same like laminate countertops. Like you don't want to see that. You want to see we tore out the kitchen wall and we put in this 18 person slab of granite. Like, you know, that's the problem. You get get sucked into it. And I've definitely made a mistake where I just made it so nice. It just the neighborhood didn't warrant it. I never thought of it. It's similar when you and I are speaking somewhere and we don't want to get the same speech we gave at the last place because it feels yeah. like cheating. But that yeah. people have never heard that speech. And you're just yeah. you're probably weakening it every time you change it. We we talked a little bit about like the the art of knowing yourself. Know thyself. If you know you are the type of person that gears towards aesthetically pleasing things, this is an area where you can get bit. There's other people that that lean towards spreadsheets and liking and trusting spreadsheets. So they, they could get bit by spreadsheet magic. Get another person involved in your deal. Have a budget. Make Give them the authority to make you stick with it and make it as nice as you can within that budget because it is so easy to get caught up over rehabbing a house in an area where the comps do not support it. And by the time you realize you made that mistake, it's too late. That is one thing the flipping shows and like, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines and all that do really well is that they kind of gamify the budget thing. So they'll be like, well, you know, we just had ran into this problem with the foundation. It's going to cost $18,000 a fix. So we're going to take that out of the budget somewhere. What do you want to cut at? Right. And they do that a lot on those shows because it adds like this drama. But that in reality is not a bad way to look at like, obviously, you don't want to like skimp on things just because something went wrong. But like you have a budget for a reason. You need to stick to that budget. So don't over rehab just because it's uh, you want to look good. Stay, Stay on budget. Yeah. And get an expert to give you an opinion on how much you should rehab. So like in a market like mine, where we're selling million dollar houses, that extra nice countertop or backsplash will absolutely Mm -hmm. get you your money back. But when every single house sells for 80 grand, you have the nicest of the $80,000 houses. It's still an $80,000 house. Yeah. You know that that house I looked at yesterday? Because yeah, there's an over rehabbing problem and then there's under rehabbing, right? Mm -hmm. So you do either. I went and looked at this house. I was telling you on yesterday's show with with the red door I didn't go through. Anyway, so I went in that house. And like the house was weird in that, like it was a, it was under rehabbed. Like they did things like they had started their price at 2.1 million. They were like a couple months ago, they're on to 1.6. They've dropped their price a half a million dollars on this property. And I walked through it and I'm like, 
This is a $2.1 million house. If it was just rehabbed correctly, like they did things like the stair treads were like, when they built the house, you know, 20 years ago, there were Oak stair treads probably going up, looked really nice. I'm sure. Then they were like, well, they got really wore down. So what they did is they took a saw and they cut off half of it and put laminate up half of it. So half of it was laminate and then the rest was oak. And they tried to mix the two together. It was just like ridiculous. And it was like thing. And then they painted the walls like bright, like maroon and then bright red. And it was like severely under rehabbed. And so uh, you don't want to make that mistake either because then you got to drop your price by half a million dollars over the course of several months and uh, driving away everybody from that property. It's like the story of Goldilocks and the three bears. One porridge was too hot. One was too cold. You know, it's funny as you tell that story. I thought you were talking about breaking into somebody's house and eating their food, but that's a better analogy. No, I I moved on from that that phase of my life. (laughs) (laughs) As you're telling that story, I know exactly what happened is the agent went to sell the house that they showed comps. The seller said, well, that's the most expensive comp, so my house should sell for that. The agent tried to explain to them, your house is under rehab. They sensed that the person was being offended and they were not strong enough to stand their ground. Agent backs down, agrees to sell for the higher price, probably reduces their commission because if that's their personality, that's what they do. And then the house goes on the market (laughs) and everyone goes to look at it and no one wants it. Or worse, no one looks at it because the pictures look bad. They then mm-hmm. reduced their price to where it should have been in the first place, like two months later, three months later. Maybe you have to spend money to get the house ready for sale. The days on market is really high, so less people are seeing it. The whole thing yep. just becomes a disaster, yeah. and it ends up selling for what it should have sold in the first place. I've seen that play out so many times. Yeah, yeah, it's That's true. actually houses I target. Like when I'm helping my clients is I look for the ones where they made that mistake. Yeah, so we're definitely, I mean, we're looking at, and not that I want to do a multi-million dollar flip right now because of the, like, you know, like the, I, I don't know, I get a little nervous about that, but I'm like, yeah. man, if I offered him 1.4 right now and put in 200 grand worth of work on that, being at 1.6 with loan cost 1.7, is it worth the 2.1 then? Sure it is. And now we've got a profitable flip potentially, you know, and like the house is financeable right now. I wouldn't even need hard money. I could just, because it's not bad. It's just weird. Uh, so I don't think I'll do it because it's a little bit too risky for my blood right now, but man, it's a. Uh, I think there's opportunities with things like that. So Amen. crazy. All right. All right number on. five, the next on our list, buying in areas that do not have diverse employment. I talk about this mm-hmm. one quite often. If you invested in real estate anytime in the last eight years, more or less, you probably did well unless you bought in Detroit. Detroit got hammered. And the reason Detroit got hammered is there's only one source of employment there. So when that one industry got went down, which is the auto industry, There was no reason for anyone to live there. And the one Achilles heel in the entire real estate investing system is you have to have a tenant in order to make money. It reminds me of this old Seinfeld episode where Jerry Seinfeld's apartment gets broken into. And so he gets this super expensive door locking mechanism with like 19 pieces so that the door could never be broken down. And then Kramer forgets to close it and his, his new stuff all gets stolen right afterwards. And Jerry's like screaming at him and he's going over every feature the door lock has. And then at the very end, he says... There's only one possible flaw, the door, and he slams it, must be closed. It's That's the same thing, right? Like if you don't have tenants, it doesn't matter all the work that you did and everything we taught you. So avoid buying in any area that's dependent on one thing, like touristy areas. You're getting hammered right now if that's where yep. you, you bought your property or the auto industry, you know, like bubbles will come and they will go and you don't want to be in an area where everybody only works in one industry. Yeah, I will give some for those people who live in Detroit and around Detroit. I will, I will uh, say they have turned that around quite a bit. They've diversified their employment base quite a bit over the last decade, and so I actually wish I would have bought Detroit. Yeah, a lot of mortgage companies moved their headquarters there. That's one of the reasons yeah. that it turned it around. Like the really, really big players are. All yeah, like, Qu- yeah, Quicken moved there, and Dan, what's United his name? Some mortgages there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They uh, 
they've turned around. So, all right, all right. Number uh, number, number six. six. Spreading themselves too thin by keeping criteria too wide is a big mistake that a lot of investors make. Look, we all start yeah. off with FOMO, fear of missing out. I what, what if a great deal comes along and it's one square foot bigger than what I put in my search criteria? And that's how our yep. brains think. It's always fear based. Well, the experienced investors know my problem is not missing out on a great deal. It's being overwhelmed by all the deals I see so that I miss out on what I should have recognized. You actually have to filter information out of your life. And I realized this when I was a police officer is in the beginning, I'd be like, I want to know everything. Give me every single detail I could possibly know about this person. But when you're in the stressful situation, you're breaking into the house, you're chasing the suspect, you're in the fight. You don't want extra info. It makes it harder to focus on what you're doing. In fact, your brain starts filtering things out of like, quit telling me this, like, stop talking. I'm focusing. And that's what happens when you're in the moment. So don't make that mistake of giving into the temptation of saying, I want to have this ridiculously big criteria to where I have to sift through 200 properties to find the one or two that might be a good deal. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you need to become an expert. If you want to be good at anything in life, you got to become an expert at it. And when you're trying to be an expert at everything, you're not going to be an expert at anything. Mm-hmm. So what I like to do is I like to define it by saying, I call it my crystal clear criteria. It's five points of the crystal clear criteria. And go ahead and write this down, everybody, if you want. Uh, I think this is super helpful, at least when I kind of put it into a framework I could understand and grasp. Here's the five parts of the crystal clear criteria. Number one, define what property type you're looking for. Are you looking for duplex, triplex, fourplex? Are you looking for a single family or a five unit? Get specific on that. That doesn't mean you can't change any of these in the future. Get specific on property. What's your next deal going to be? Become an expert at that. Next, location. Where are you going to buy? Why are you going to buy there? What makes that location tick? What's the employment like there? What's the crime like there? What are the schools like there? Why is this street better than this street? Like that's one of the problems with out-of-state investing is that a lot of people don't do that work needed to understand why this street is better than this street. Now in Grays Harbor, Washington, where I lived for a decade, I could tell you exactly why that street mm-hmm. is better than that street. But if you're just randomly going, I'm going to go buy in Cincinnati, which I did and Spencer did yesterday, you, you don't know those things. Um, that's why you need to rely on an amazing agent who knows the location. They can tell you yep. those things like, hey, that street is a school district nine out of 10. That one's a two out of 10. That's why that matters so much. So okay, wait, number two is location. Number three is condition. Define, do you want to buy fixer uppers or not? What level of rehab is too much? Like, do you want, like, you'll do a full gut or you'll do, you want turnkey or you want the kind of the baby bear, you know, the, the, the middle ground, which is generally what I try to focus on. Get good at that. Stop looking at the gut rehabs, even though they sound like great deals. They're not most of the time because local investors would have snatched them up. People that are better and smarter than you would have already gotten those deals if they were actually good. Uh, fourth price range. Where are you buying at? Like, do you want a hundred thousand dollar property or a million dollar property? Stop looking at things outside your price range. And you can work backwards to figure this out by looking at like, how much of a down payment do I have? How much do I have for repairs? How much do I have for reserves that I want to hold on to and closing costs? And then figure out like, what can I actually afford here? What am I like? And then stick to that. Just stop looking at everything else. Zone in that one thing. Like David said, you don't want to get overwhelmed with too many choices. Price range can, can really narrow it down. And then finally, once you go through all those four, look, define what profitable means. So the fifth of the crystal clear criteria, the CCC is profitability. What makes a deal a good deal? And then stop looking at deals immediately when they no longer qualify for that or find out what makes that a good deal and go after it. But stop being like, well, you know, I said I wanted, you know, a 12% return, but uh, this one's only a seven, but I really want this deal. No, you said 12%. You're not going to deviate from that number and stick with it. And if you just have these five points, again, to recap, property type, location, condition, price range, and profitability, that's the CCC. You're going to become an expert at that location, that property type. You're going to be expert at that that condition and that price range. And you know what makes a good deal? 
you're going to be an expert. You're going to crush it. You're going to be amazing. So yeah, get real specific. Don't worry about the FOMO. You're not missing on anything. There's always more deals coming up. Get clear. That is so good. And you know, I can support what you're saying because I see it in other parts of life. When I used to work at a restaurant in Pleasanton where all the the horse uh, owners would come in after the horse races, I would listen to the guys that uh, were sitting at the bar and it was their job to kind of like decide what horse they're going to bet on. And they would tell you, this is what I look for in the horse. When I see it move this way or do this thing, I know that's the one that's an athlete. Now, I would look at those same horses and have no idea what they were seeing. It all looks the same to me. Yeah. They've looked at so many horses for so long that it immediately jumps out. And you but see they're not looking from, at horses and sheep at the same like they're and not donkeys, at sheep and horses. And, yes, and, yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. They're not learning all of animal husbandry. They're focused <laughs> on that one thing. Uh, you see that too with professional athlete scouts. They yeah. just look at either baseball players. I look at outfielders. I look at pitchers. I look yeah, at infielders. Yeah. So right? can, yep. It's that's the exactly little right. Things and they, they know notice. the difference between the way that a guy transitions from catching a ball and putting it from his glove into shifting to throw it. They can tell right away that guy's not ready versus the so guy true. that is. And, and you and I would miss it. So that's why you really want to niche down. We have an example of that is like the market that I'm, I work in in the Bay Area, the houses are more expensive. And we had a client that wanted a house that was listed at 1.2 million, but we had to go up to 1.3 to get it, which is obviously a hard thing for a lot of people to do is you want me to pay a hundred grand over. It felt like it was losing a hundred thousand dollars. Well, we were confident enough from knowing that area and knowing the comparable sales that it was a great deal. It appraised at 1.4, which means mm. it probably was yeah. worth even more than that because appraisers don't like to give you a higher value than what the house is worth. That person made a hundred grand by going a hundred grand over asking price. And that's a perfect example of it could have easily went the other way. You can overpay and then it, it appraises for less. So get yourself an expert if you're not that person in your own world that knows that market really well and it's okay to pay them. Yeah, so good, man. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. 
How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. Number seven. Number seven, impatient. Closing just to say you closed, okay? This is a problem of lean indicators versus lag indicators. And Brandon and I have to be really careful of the advice we give because we'll often say, make up a goal. I want to close X amount of houses in a year. I want to close my next deal within X amount of months. Those are lag indicators, right? I want to lose this much weight in this much time. That's a good goal to make, but you don't focus on that metric. You focus on the actions you take to make it happen. So what we want you to be thinking about is I'm going to analyze X amount of properties, right? X amount of offers, uh, run this many things through my analysis spreadsheet that Brandon just talked about to know what a good deal is. And if you do that, you should hit your goal. The problem is when you're not focusing on the right metrics, you will buy a bad deal to say that you made your goal. And we see people get into this problem all the time. Like, well, I I got two weeks to buy my next deal that I said I was going to buy. So they go out there and they buy the wrong one. That's true. I mean, I'm sure I've done it. There's been moments where I'm like, I need something. I got to close on a deal. And they go out and do it. I mean, you know, like in even like we have to, we have to guard against this within our fund, you know, opened our capital, we raised money, right? So we raised like $10 million in our fund or just about. And now I'm like, we got to go out and buy properties. Now we got a few, but there's this temptation to just like, well, the money's just sitting right now. We got to go do something with it so we can get investors their returns. But we have to constantly tell ourselves, no, we have to stick with the fundamentals because it's better to have the money earning zero for a few months to make sure we land the right deal that gives us a 15 you know, percent return long-term or whatever than it is to try to do something that long-term we're just going to be regretting. So it's way better to miss out on a deal or to delay than to put your money in. So yeah, even at this level, we all deal with that same problem. It's not just new investors. It's yeah. Everybody has to guard against that. 
sometimes you wait for three months and then two great deals come along and you're yeah. like, oh, where, who would have known, right? Like, I'm going to give you this advice, Brandon, that offer that came in on your condo yeah. that's contingent on selling their house. Don't, don't fall into that. I got to take it because nothing else came. Yeah. It's been like a week and a half. I know, Tell them yeah, no, I know. let it sit there and you might get two great offers next weekend and you can negotiate them against each other. Yeah, it's true. I think it's very, very wise advice. All so, right. Number uh, eight, the big mistake people make inheriting the tenants that are in the property. This rarely ever goes well in our experience. <laughs> now, here's the problem. Most landlords, if they have a tenant that's paying on time and is paying a decent amount of rent and they're not having a headache, even if they don't want to own the property, they're just going to keep owning it because who cares? The money's coming in. They're not bugging me. It's not causing them any friction or pain. Most landlords don't decide to sell a house until they have a problem, which is usually based in the tenant. It might be the house needs a new roof. I don't want to buy a new one. But even then, they just until the house started leaking, they probably wouldn't care. Yeah. When the tenant causes problems, the landlord decides they want to sell it. And that's when you find that deal. So mathematically speaking, the more properties you buy with a tenant in it, the more evictions you're buying. You are buying the problem that the seller did not want to solve. Now, I, when I'm representing people, still recommend that they buy a house that has a tenant in there, but we make our offer contingent on it being delivered vacant. I tell the seller, I will give you what you want, but you're getting rid of that problem before I buy it. And if they say, what do you do? I might say, well, give them $5,000 cash for keys and we'll increase our purchase price by five grand, but you're still getting rid of them. And if it's a good enough deal, it's a good enough deal. The selling agent or the seller, they're going to try to sell it to you like, oh, it already has a tenant. You'll have no vacancy. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it never really works like that. Yeah. It's rare that it works. And you can do, I mean, we buy properties with people living in Like, I mean, obviously at the commercial level, you do it all the time, but like on yeah. smaller deals, I just account for the fact in my numbers that I may have to evict and have several months of lost rent. Like I would say half the time it just goes bad when I buy a, a, an inherited yeah. tenant because most landlords are terrible about tenant screening. They just put in whoever. And that's why they're having a bad time why they want to sell. And again, at the commercial level, when you're buying apartment complexes or mobile home parks, like we do, like it's a little different. Like, you know, you're everybody's inherited because you're buying a business. You're not buying a house. Uh, that's but a yeah, great point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because so commercial like, sellers, they're not selling because their tenants are bad as often. Correct. They're they selling want a different they make, use for the capital. Yep. Yeah, they maximize the return right now. They're going to move on to something else. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a business decision. Most residential investors are selling for a, a personal reason. It's not a business decision. It's emotional. Yeah, there you go. Very good. Okay, number nine. Do not assume that all agents are the same and therefore choose the wrong one. Now, I know I sound biased because I am an agent, but let me explain. There is a lot of what we call disruption going on in the real estate space because let's be honest, everybody hates paying commission. Nobody likes doing that. I don't even like doing it. So there's a lot of tech companies that are coming out. I'll try not to name any names, but their whole platform is to convince you that all agents are the same. Therefore, use the cheapest one. They're trying to say all clothes are the same. So shop at Walmart. You don't need to go to Nordstrom's. The problem is it's just completely untrue. Most agents are bad. Very few are good. The good ones are not going to work for cheap, just like the best lawyers and the best doctors and the best mechanics, right? They don't work for free. The best contractors don't work cheap because there's so much demand for them. Don't make the mistake of assuming that all agents or all anybody are all the same. They're not. And if you hire an agent and then you just, you're upset because they didn't do what you think they should do, you got to look at yourself. You hired the wrong person to guide you on that journey. Kind of learn what good agents do, learn how to recognize one, learn how to bring value to your agent, and then you can expect them to bring value back to you. But don't buy into this hype that just because they have a license, they know what they're doing. In yeah. fact, real estate, the profession of sales, it draws some of the worst people into it. 
They're not committed. <laughs> they, they don't want to excel at what they do. A lot of them just, they want like a part-time job that makes them feel like a professional. They like the idea of having a business card and wearing fancy clothes, but they don't actually ever learn what they're doing at all. And it's very easy to fall for the slick talking salesperson that doesn't know their stuff. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, I've had great agents and I've had terrible agents in my life. And uh, sometimes it's hard to know up front how they're going to be. Very difficult. Yeah. You have any advice on, on how do you know a good agent? Well, like I know them because I work in the business, so I can tell yes. when I'm talking to somebody. I would say people way put too much importance on how nice they are, their personality. Mm-hmm. That really doesn't matter as far as the job they do. So don't rely on how nice they are, how they mm-hmm. make you that's feel. That's a good tip. Yeah, that's, that's the first thing you're like. The, the agents who make the most money are not the best ones. They're just the most friendly ones because that's what yep. people go by. Number two is look at how many sales they've had. It's not the only thing that matters, but man, that's one of the best ways because anyone who doesn't do something often, they're not going to be good at it. If you work yep. out three times a year, you will not be in shape. If you sell three houses a year, you will not be good at being an agent. The more you yeah. do it, the more you learn, the more experience you get, the more you value your time, the more you create systems to make it go smoother. The people that come to me, almost all of our transactions go by really smooth. They don't see what I'm doing behind the scenes. It's that example of the, the duck looks really calm on the surface, but the feet are going crazy yeah, underneath. Yeah, I'm the duck feet. They're the, they're the duck. Uh, that's what you want to look for is a lot of business. A person who knows what they're doing when they talk, you can tell they're smart and they know the industry, not necessarily that they're nice. Very good, man. And All right. Number 10. This is a good one. OK, quit thinking that more down payment equals more safety. We talk about this with the Burr method. We talk about this with criticism of Burr. Brandon, I'm going to let you run with it and explain the fallacy of putting more down equals having a safer investment. Yeah, the best way I can explain this is really just looking at an analogy or an, I mean, an example. If you have a $100,000 property and you put down 20%, you now have an $80,000 mortgage, right? Because you have $20,000 you put down, you have an $80,000 mortgage. If I get that property, the same, like let's say that's you. Now I get the same $100,000 property, probably worth the same amount, but I get that property for $80,000 because I'm really good at finding good deals. I make it negotiate it well, or maybe I bought it and needed some work done on it. And so I, but I have $80,000 into it, but no money into it. Who's better off at that, in, that, in that boat? And so what I, I always say is like, look, we both have the exact same equity. We have $20,000 of equity, either one of us. You bought your equity. I earned my equity. And so I have no money at risk right now. No money in this deal whatsoever. You've got 20 grand. So I would argue that you are at far greater risk than I am because I have no money invested in the deal. Now, it took more work for me to do it. It took more hustle. It took more knowledge and education. And I had to put that together uh, mm-hmm. or to, to get a little more complicated. I could have bought that deal at 60 grand and put 20 grand into it. Now I'm still at 80 grand, uh, but I've got all this equity now in that thing. So again, I didn't have to put my own cash to get there. I didn't buy my equity. I earned my equity. That's a great point. Now on a balance sheet, they look the same. Okay. Money yep. in your bank account, 20,000 money in the property. 20,000. It appears to be the same. The difference is that when the economy goes bad or when the market tanks, equity you can't control. It goes down, right? That $20,000 cushion you thought was so great goes away. Uh, The 20 grand in the bank stays there. It's not going to be affected. And Brandon and I have learned it doesn't matter if your equity goes away in a recession. The equity never really mattered in the first place unless you're going to sell. If you're not selling, equity doesn't matter. But you got to make that payment. You can't make that payment with the $20,000 of equity that just appeared. You can make the payment with the $20,000 that's sitting in the bank, meaning the capital in your bank is more valuable in that scenario. If another deal comes along, you can't buy it with the $20,000 of equity in that house. You can buy it with the $20,000 of equity 
or that you have in your bank account, making that money more valuable. And I could go on and on. If you have to rehab the house to make it worth more money, if you've got 20 grand in the bank, you can put it in there. If you uh, need reserves to get your next deal and the bank says, I need you to have this much reserves, they're not going to care what equity you have in a property. So what we're getting at is get as much equity out of your deal as you can and keep it in savings where you can use it where it's safe. And don't think that that means that you're running it like playing fast and loose and you're paying too much for houses. Focus on getting the deal where you create equity and putting your capital somewhere else as opposed to exchange trading in hard work for just I put I threw a lot of money at it and putting it in putting the money in transferring its equity where you don't have any control over what it does and how you can use it yeah man so good well can I add a a number 11 here kind of a bonus tip for people it's a little less tangible but it's something I talk about a lot uh, on webinars and even in some of the books that I've written I think one of the biggest mistakes that cost people the most amount of money in their entire investing life is not actually something that they're losing. It's something that they're not getting. Here's what I mean by that. Fear causes people to miss out on like all the greatest things in life. You might be listening to this episode. You might've listened to yesterday's episode with Spencer and now you're all freaked out. You're like, well, all this stuff could go wrong. I don't want to lose money. I'm not going to do anything now. I don't want to lose a hundred grand like Spencer did. I don't want to, you know, lose money like Brandon said he did or like David's lot. Like, and as a result, you don't do anything. But like, as I hope you understood from yesterday's show, the reason we wanted that to talk about this problem is because it's not so much that things went bad, but the lessons that he learned are going to change his investing life forever. He'll take those and apply it. So yeah, he might've lost a hundred grand, but he'll make millions long-term. If he let fear though, stop him. If you let fear stop you, you're missing out on millions of dollars. You're missing out on, you know, potentially millions and millions of dollars. You're missing out on years of watching your kids grow up, your grandkids grow up. You're missing out on a great retirement. You're missing out on travel. You're missing out on time for your hobbies, time volunteering. You're missing out on helping thousands of other people if when you can start giving back to build wells in 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 you know developing countries or whatever like whatever your thing is you're missing out on all of that if you let fear drive you so the number one biggest way people lose money is just by not doing anything by just taking like no action ever and living the life that they've always lived just because that's easy and they can just get up and live reactively so my advice mm. for people is to be like don't don't look at this stuff as fear-based but look at this as how can i use this to arise to a new level Beautiful. I love that. It's great advice. Thanks, man. All right. Well, just remember everybody, like do your math when you're doing deals. Make sure you understand both the math and the logic side of stuff. We talked about that earlier. If you need help doing your math, of course, biggerpockets.com slash calc, biggerpockets.com slash calc has calculators that you can use or just on biggerpockets. Just go to tools up in the navigation bar. You can definitely check it out there. You can also run your deals by other people. Like ask other people, hey, what do you think of this property? What, you know, do you think this is a good deal, bad deal? Uh, ask, you know, that's one of the, the beauty of networking, one of the best parts about networking with other people is you can get other people's advice. Like when I'm going to do a deal, sometimes I'll run it by David here. Like, Hey, what do you think of this thing? When I get an offer on a, on a property that I'm trying to sell right now, I run it by David and I say, David, what do you think? We have these conversations. Like it's the whole iron sharpens iron thing, right? Like you get sharper when you run your stuff by other people. So make sure you do that. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got, man. Anything you want to close with? Well, thanks for being my iron buddy. I appreciate that. Thanks for being my iron. We should get matching t-shirts that say I'm David's iron and you can say I'm Brandon's iron. I feel like one look at our bodies and they can tell that we are clearly (laughs) iron. (laughs) All right. Uh, I do want to tell you, if you're interested at being a guest on the show, head over to biggerpockets.com slash guest and that's where you can apply. Our producer, Kevin, who's awesome. He is quickly overtaking Joe Rogan's Jamie to be the top producer in the podcast space. (laughs) 
We'll hey, go Kev- through the files. Speaking of that, Kevin, can you hook us up with a hundred million dollar payout from Spotify for getting our show exclusive on like Joe Rogan did? I wonder if Jamie arranged that. I'm going to assume he did. So we're going to need you to step up, Kevin, and get us a hundred million dollars from Spotify, please. Okay. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm happy with like 15% of that. I don't need a lot. <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah, you can go to, if you want to be a guest, biggerpockets.com slash guest. Uh, and that specifically, our show is focused generally on people who have done at least 10 deals. So if you've done at least uh, 10 deals, apply to be on our show. And if you got a great personality, submit a video there. Let us know about more about you, your story, and your abilities, and what your strengths are. And uh, yeah, you might be a guest on the show in the future. Yeah. And please like or subscribe to this one if you haven't already done so. That's what you have to do to hit Joe Rogan's status. So thank you, guys. We would appreciate that. Also, for those of you that listen to both episodes, kudos to you. I really love when people put uh, an emphasis on education when they actually make it a priority to to learn. So go back, listen to this one. We went fast, but that's because we wanted to give you a lot of information. There's there's 10 things in there that you can make sure you don't do to avoid losing money. Then you can focus on the things you do do to make money in real estate. There you go. All right, guys. Well, thank you, guys and gals. When I say guys, please don't be offended. Me and David both use that to mean both. That's all I got. All right. You want to take us out? No, I'll take us out of here. This is David Green for Brandon, the Bridge Builder Turner, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R, today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.